wonderful, beautiful people of Montreal and the world. This is Not a Journalist with Brian Holiday, And I have a wonderful guest who's been on so many cool things. I think one of my favorite things is Future Man, which I watched uh, first season almost religiously. And uh, and then I saw that you were on. I, and then I didn't have access because I was using a VPN to get access to Hulu through a thing and then lost access and haven't caught up on it. But I saw you're on it. Ladies and gentlemen, Tanisha Collins, the Montreal actress, the Montreal inspiration, the uh, local girl that we went to the same elementary school. What's yeah, up? Bedford, what's up? <laughs> Bedford represent, doing things, doing big things. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, this is so awesome. For me, it's so exciting because like, I remember you from Bedford and from like, Kent Park pool days and stuff like yes. that. Yes. Oh so my like, God. I, and I feel like we've probably been doing the same thing, but like I've been like low key stalking your journey in the background. So like I've seen like the CJLO stuff. Like, so to me, it's always cool to see, like, like I'm still Tanisha from the block and it's cool to see yeah. like, Brian from the block, like doing his thing. That's and, so dope. Yeah. And like, and like best of Montreal candidate. Like that's amazing. You know? Thank so you so much. Yeah, no, I mean, similar, similar watching you. And then, like, I remember the first time I saw you on Blue Mountain State, and I was just like, say word? <laughs> I was just like, okay. So, so, Blue Mountain State is funny because that was actually, like, I'd been acting since I was eight. Okay. I started at Bedford. Um, oh. That's where I got my start. Suzanne yeah. Comblay, like, our, our okay. grade two teacher, yep. started doing plays, and I got the bug, and then I gave my parents a yellow pages and was like finding an agent but oh, cool. blue mountain state was my first um gig under actra so it's under the canadian actors union yeah. um and i ended up i was i ended up not having any lines i was supposed to have lines i had no lines if you've seen the episode like it's comedic i have a threesome yeah. with not just not a goat but like a person <laughs> dressed as yeah, a goat yeah, yeah. like so a it's, mascot, yeah. it's just comedy but i have no lines and I've done I, I've done a lot of cool things, but I still know when Blue Mountain State is airing somewhere new because I get like a bump in followers or I yep. get like those creepy messages from Blue oh, Mountain no. <laughs> eleven years ago, and it's still like twelve years ago now, and it's still it's still my most famous role. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's just for me one of the things I I ended up going to Abbott of all the places mm -hmm. living in Montreal. Boy, go to Abbott. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Not because I wanted to, but I ended up at Abbott, and my buddy. One of my buddy Nitz, shout out to Nitz, uh, was uh, one of the stand-ins because he's a football player at Abbott and he was a stand-in on the show. Mm -hmm. So he was always talking about like being on set and stuff like that. And then I saw you and I was just like, it's just kind of cool to know that John Abbott College and the campus and like the show like did so many interesting things and represented Montreal. Well, it's not Montreal, but it's just like if you know Montreal, seeing all these Montrealers yeah. there doing their thing. Uh, it was just awesome and it was just great and it was so fun to see it and uh, I'm happy that people recognize you from it. I'm, it's cool that you get the bump. Uh, I apologize for the creeps. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, look, like it's something that I like even the casting director who knew me since I was 13 called me and was like, okay, I had auditioned for I think 12 characters that season. Like I have a role for you. You're special. Like they really want you for this. And he kind of like gave me this big disclaimer and he's like, read it. Let me know what you think because he knows me and like yeah not like i'm a free person but like i don't like you know i'm, I'm also kind of private and yeah. i read it and i was just like he's like it's comedy more than anything and i read it and i was like this is effing hilarious and <laughs> i asked my mom what she thought because that's like the barometer and she was just like are you comfortable I'm like yeah she's like well then do it so wow. i was happy i did it i had a blast i worked with like chris romano romansky who yes 
I like I'm re-watching How I Met Your Mother, and he was one of the executive producers on oh, yeah. on the show. So to me, I'm like, that's a cool little like link to like, my favorite show from like my first. I should have known he was the executive. I remember that he was the close friend who comes Punchy. to visit at one point. Yeah. Benji, is that? Yeah. Punchy. Yes. Yeah, Punchy. Yeah, Punchy. Yes, yes, yes. And he's great as that character. Hilarious. Like, it was so funny because, look, like, when you're any kind of nude scene that you're doing, they have what they call a closed set, which basically means that only essential person or people are allowed on the set. Yeah. So it was me, the girl Mel St. Pierre. Shout out Mel. Goat, goat crew all the way. Um, and and Romanski, and then we had like you know a wardrobe person who between takes would come and bring us a robe, but we're yeah. right. And after doing you know like thirty takes from one angle, we're just like forget it. And um, and like he, he's American, but you know in the scene in the iconic scene because there's a few scenes, but in the iconic scene, I'm making out. I but first of all, okay, let's backtrack. So, <laughs> We knew that it was a threesome. We didn't really know the choreography. We knew like everything leading up and please stop me if it's too graphic. No, no, no. I mean, I'm, unfortunately, unfortunately, I feel like the, the creeps are going to want to watch this and hear oh the story. God. But, oh but to everyone else who's watching, I mean, this is just, this is, this is entertainment. This is the acting and this is what happened. So. And this is like my first nude scene, my first on-screen kiss. So they're like, so we walk into the room and there's stand-ins and we see there's one guy and two girls and there's um a girl bent over like, an, like a chair like what i was like a big armchair yeah then a guy standing behind her oh boy and a girl standing beside him and we walk in and i'm just thinking please stand please be the one standing please be the one standing, please be the one standing. <laughs> and the girl mel she's like she was a redhead at the time and i was like for sure it's gonna be the redhead and it was her so she's like getting fake rammed by this guy in full mascot costume, who, by the way, is not even using his own body parts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's using, like, even on the show, he's using like plastic because um, yeah. we're furries. And I'm there making out with the mascot head, but a mascot head, you know, in the mouth, it's basically just like an open yeah, mouth yeah. with like a piece of, of like mesh in front of the mask, like the person's face. So every like third take, I'd put my face in to like start fake making out and literally that's what I did. And Romanski would just throw in like a stupid French word, like sekash. He was <laughs> a really, a really bad word. So he'd be like, sekash in the sexiest way that like, we just, we were just crying all day. And you know, 20 something, tw early 20 year old Tunisia who was just like excited to be on her first set, but also just like, I'm in my lingerie. So yeah. just like, very quickly got over that and it got to the point where it was just like we don't even need our ropes between takes because you've seen it already yeah and you know we spent like you know me and mel we spent like you know a couple of weeks getting ready for the role and working out and getting in shape meanwhile between takes because we're shooting we're eating poutine and gummy candies so, <laughs> like the best first it wasn't my first tv experience but it was my first like major production experience yeah it was the best and it still haunts me like that scene is on Pornhub. oh you my know? god like that scene is on Pornhub with like negative ten, negative ten percent ratings because there's no movie. People hate it, but it's on Pornhub, so it's like, it, it's it's special. <laughs> I mean, so let's unpack that for a quick second. <laughs> Being on Pornhub for a scene on a TV show, how did you even find out? Like who? <laughs> okay, this is embarrassing, but I googled myself. And that's what actors do every now and then. I Google myself to find like press. Yeah, just different things, and then I see two listings: Tanisha Collins, Mr. Skin, 
Oh boy, yes. Well, okay. I didn't know what it was until then, but then all the guys were like, "Well, that's a compliment." Um, yes, yes. Even though I was considered average breast, um, I was just like, "That's offensive." Um, and to <laughs> call it Pornhub, and to yeah, oh. and I, I, I was just like, like I, I respect people who do porn, but that's yeah. not my choice. Yeah. And I, like my heart dropped into my butt. Cause I was yeah. like, I don't do porn, but I was in my, like, you know, in your mind, it's like when you're in a store and you see a security guard and you're like, I'm not shoplifting, but like, yes, maybe I'm actually shoplifting. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I don't do porn, but I'm like, who did I piss did off? I? Yeah. 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 Who did I, who did, did I piss someone off? film me? Locker room. Like, did they put like, I used to be oh, no. a locker room where they were filming was changing. Like I had a quick panic. Oh no. It was kind of like five, four, three, two, just click it. You need to know what it is. Yeah. Maybe it's another team. Maybe it's like an impersonator. Yeah. And and then it was the, the scene. scene. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh my the god! Ridiculous thing ever, but like. <laughs> I mean, silver lining to that moment of sheer panic, though, because it, it sounds like I would definitely be petrified if I saw my name oh. next to like Brian Holiday Pornhub, and I'd be like, "Okay, first things first. <laughs> no, please, no. I I'm not sure. I I I feel comfortable with the idea of being naked anywhere." Uh, let alone people watching me being naked. Let alone people watching me possibly do something like just the I, the fact that you have to run through so oh many things. But it was like my, my mind was going like a million miles a minute. Oh but like yeah. on the plus, like Mr. Skin wrote a really nice bio about me. So <laughs> like, <laughs> the, I, no. I read it and it was to the point where I was like, "Do they know me?" Yeah, and yeah. Really accurately described me, like my personality and like you know, my bubbliness and like my background and like all these different things. And I was just like, who do I know? Who's actually like on the download working for this site, writing a bio about me. Um, Honestly, some of these sites, well, funny thing, Montreal, uh, very much a porn hub. Uh, Like porn hub is this year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for anyone who doesn't know, Montreal is, is a kind of a porn capital of the world. A lot of uh, companies come out of here and um, a lot of the scripts, because some of my buddies work for one the companies and write scripts yeah. that are sent to be filmed in the States yeah. in whatever. And ex- the quality assurance is here too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Watch the videos and like do the captioning yes. when everything's right. Like, Do you have any friends like, there? No, but like okay. in, in another life, I worked in recruiting. And I oh. had a thing at, they're called Mind Geek. They don't yes. call themselves Pornhub. And they also own Playboy TV. I didn't know that until oh, I, I didn't know that. Like, they have a, like, they're building, and we've all seen it from the outside, even though you didn't realize it. It's like a nice little, like, all, like a light bulb on the yeah. outside. And inside, it's beautiful. It's very dark, but it's very mm. beautiful, very sleek. And you wouldn't think that you were in a porn building. Or yeah. Like, yeah. The only time that you knew that you were in a porn building is walking through the QA because it's like their call center agents almost. So oh, and you hear everybody has their headphones out, but you just see like porn, like <laughs> screens of porn. It's like this really weird sexual fever dream where it's just like <laughs> TVs of porn <laughs> all throughout. <laughs> it's like black. Can you water. tell me your password again? No, sir. The threesome is supposed to look like that on this video. It's like, what the hell? And you're just walking down this hall, like, what? Well, it's, it's like it's like walking into a room full of computers with porn. It's like Mind Geek Triple X version. And yeah. It's like Black Mirror Triple X version, you know? Like, just like porn, 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 porn. <laughs> Um, but no, they were really nice. And like only one person was like a complete creep. They just like gave mm. off. I was very respectful, just gave off that like. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, Montreal is a special place. We have a lot of secrets that I know, and it's it's crazy too because when I find I think uh, the, my favorite for me is one of my friends from high school was this like he, he's a South Asian kid, super huge geek. Uh, you know, like was going to be computer engineer and all this stuff. And then when we like bumped into each other years later, he's telling me that he works for a company called MindGeek as an accountant. And I was just like, oh, okay. And I didn't know what MindGeek was at the time. And like, I- I'm this. Cool. Yeah, I was just like, oh, dude, you're an accountant at MindGeek. Congratulations. Your parents must be surprised. Like, oh, no, my parents don't know. And I was just like, and I just remember like South Asian kids have a history of like they're a lot of pressure from their parents, you know, like not to stereotype, but that's just part of the, the story of that community. Yeah. So I was just like, wait, why would you not tell your parents you got to like, cause we had just finished. I, I think I was, I took time off before I started university. So he was in university and had gotten the job while in university and then was like, was like working and like was working his way up while still in school. So I was just like, in my head, I was like, that's, the dream you yeah. sound like you're already locked in your parents would be so proud you're still doing great in school you already got the job you're fast tracking and he's just like you don't know what mind geek is do you and i was like no <laughs> not at all and that's when he told me and i was just like good god what and then i found out other friends were working there one of my friends uh was the like you were saying he he watched the um elderly porn and was the con yeah. the what was the term you used the Quality assurance, QA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he stopped. He told me very, very, like one time him and I were hanging out, we were having drinks and he sat me down. I was just like, how's it going, man? He's just like, not good. Um, Watching those videos didn't affect me uh, emotionally, but I feel like it changed my brain chemistry because now when I, I can't think of sex naturally, I just think of it with... And I was just like, that sounds like a very difficult job to do. And I find yeah. it very interesting to have, like, what do you do in that situation? It's like on Friends when, like, Joey and Chandler have, like, 24-7 porn and they don't want to turn the TV off. But then they're, like, they expect the delivery person to, like, be yes. naked. You know? Yes, like, yes, yes. Like, sorry, I have, like, everything in life has a TV or movie reference for me. So, like, same. but yeah, it's it's like Friends, you know, and I feel like. I do feel like it probably desensitizes you in a bit or just oh like, God, I don't know, for me, I think it would make me very, very sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because like being, being free and, and like we, you know, we've been blessed to grow up in Montreal, which has always been a city of just beautiful people. Mm-hmm. And then to be working at a place like that and then to see the beautiful people and to be like, I just can't because I watch all these videos so that people in other countries can get off. And it's like, please, no one look at me. No one talk to me. I was like, and when he was talking, he's like drinking his drink and he's talking casually, but under the undertone of the conversation was such a like deep, sad part. And I was just like, I want to like put my hand on his shoulder and be like, it's okay, buddy. We'll get through this. together. <laughs> we'll get you back to normal porn baseline baseline. You just got to go watch some regular stars. You'll be okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, back to back to you acting. I don't know why. We, <laughs> I don't know how we got into the. Well, that's my fault. But yeah. no, well, no, no. I mean, it's hilarious. Um, it's a funny. That's a fun tangent to go on, especially being from Montreal. So acting, you do Blue State, uh, Blue Mountain State. You go on to be like you're you. Uh, the thing I saw that we were talking about right before we started. You mentioned that you've done an entire series recently through Zoom. Yeah. 
Um, you know, at the time that we're recording this, it's May 20, uh, March 27th. The pandemic has been in full effect for literally a year. And I feel like the industry had to figure out ways to adapt and do some really cool things. And I saw Dungeons and Distancing. You watched it. I saw, I saw a little bit. I didn't get to watch all of it. I'm going to watch all of it because I'm also I'm, I'm a huge like I don't know much about Dungeons and Dragons. I want to know more. Um, if anyone's watching this and knows Dimension 20 from Dropout TV, you guys know that I'm into watching that show. And that show is literally just people playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, at, like filming it for the College Humor crew. And I, I, f- I find that super interesting. So I like watching shows like this because I am looking for a Dungeon Master because I want to play. And and like watching you guys do a show and like I think also lifting the veil of the old fashioned mentality of what Dungeons and Dragons used to be is yeah. one of the cool things about what shows like yours and what Dimension 20 does. Uh, so first off, what was it like filming something during the pandemic through Zoom? And then secondly, what are your feelings on a show like this and like doing Dungeons and Dragons? What was it like for you? So first of all, I have to say that the entertainment industry in Quebec adapted very quickly to the pandemic. Mm. Okay. So this was the, like, I worked, like I did a lot of voice work from home, either over Zoom or patched in like radio ads. And this was one of the things that I got to do. And it was really cool because I know the writers already and, but I'm not good. I wasn't good friends with them. I've known them for a long time though. Okay. And they just asked me, they're like, we have this script. They got a couple of actors together. Like, can you do a reading with us? I'm like, sure. No problem. Over Zoom. I was like, yes, an opportunity to actually like act where I'm not, you know, warning people about COVID protocols Yeah, um, <laughs> was really nice. I'm not expecting to actually be offered this role because to me, when I think of Dungeons and Dragons, I think of like, Big Bang Theory characters, you know, I think of right. like a stereotypical like uber nerd, and, yes. and I am that on the inside, but on the surface, like I mask it, you know. <laughs> so, so I read it, and like my character is the dungeon master Casey, yeah. and I'm just like it's such a fun character. Um, she's queer, she's awkward, she's quirky, and she's kind of like this cool. Like she's she's like the the like the straight, you know, like in comedy, there's always the straight man in comedy. Yes. She's that like even person, but who has these like intense moments of comedy because I get to do a million characters as the dungeon master. Um, so when I got the offer, I was I was like ecstatic and blown away just because I was just not expecting that at all. Um, and it's cool because the writers they play Dungeons and Dragons, um, and one of I know one of the actors as well. He plays. I'm not sure about the other one, um, but I knew nothing about it. I just know what I see on TV. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I watched some play, um, really just to see how the dungeon masters were. Right. Um, and then I put my own spin on it and she's just really intense. And, you know, she goes from being like, not timid, but just like easygoing and a little passive to yeah. like getting into it and be like, okay guys, let's go. <laughs> yeah. um, and like in the, in the most, in the most recently released episode, um, one of our characters, Misha, he's really, really intense. And he's always like this. And he's always like getting like these like rants into the, like really close into the camera. And there's an opportunity where like, I get to mimic him. Okay. We're out. And it was like, I was crying. Cause it was <laughs> so much fun. Cause you're like making fun of like your friend who's playing, somebody, yes. who's playing somebody, you know? Um, inception. Yeah. It was like dragons inception. And it's cool. But it's also very intimate filming over Zoom because, like, yeah. set, like 
you're, I'm used to, you know, having somebody do my hair, having like, you know, do my makeup, having somebody, you know, bring me to set. They set everything up. They make sure that everything is in the right place. That plant is three inches to the left. They make sure of everything. And then I was taking on all these roles. So there's that challenge. Um, but it was cool because they really got very creative. You know, we'd yeah. shoot our close-ups individually. So okay. it's like I'll have a session where I would shoot my close-up um, and then we would do a group shot and then they would kind oh. of interchange them together. So it, to me, it opened up a whole new world of like what Dungeons and Dragon players are and what they look like because like yeah. I would never have guessed that these two f- amazing female writers, Nikki Haggard and Annie Al, um, that they would be Dungeons and Dragons like obsessed. Yeah, yeah, uh, right, like, right. You know, but I, ha- I had to rely on them a lot because they were the experts and they would tell me, okay, well, actually, you know, this is not a good thing or this would be more serious or, yeah. you know, like, you know, rolling a natural 20 is like, you know, the best thing ever. I'm like, yes, oh, yeah. like no idea. Like it was just over yeah. my head. You know, um, it was really fun. It was really cool. Like we just finished filming the entire series not long ago. So okay. there's more episodes left to come out and they're short and easily digestible. The longest one I think is 12 minutes. So, and are you going like, now that you've done that, are you interested in playing? I am. Okay. I, but, but I feel like, you know, like usually it's the opposite. Usually it's like the geek who doesn't want to infiltrate the cool kids. Cause they feel like I'm not going to be accepted. Like, yeah. you know, Oh my God. Like, why are you here? Go take your, yeah. and for me, I feel like I'm going to walk in. They're like, what's this regular girl doing here? Like, yeah. You don't why? be like out, like, you know, be ousted from the crew. <laughs> Well, I'm telling you right now, I've been trying to find a crew to put together a Dungeons and Dragons game uh, because ever since I started watching the Dimension 20 stuff like Fantasy High, which was the first season, and they do Dungeons and Dragons in a very different way. Like it's it's uh, John Hughes meets uh, medieval like uh, a medieval world. Okay. So they're in a high school, but you still have like, you know, one of them is an elf and pirate. Like his parents are an elf and a pirate. So he's, he's like, he has a varsity jacket, but he's an elf and has a, 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 a like <laughs> pirate sword and is super brave, but is also kind of silly. And it's just such an interesting thing to watch. And after watching that, I was just like, oh, because I like when you think Dungeons and Dragons originally, it's also just the idea of like the classic Dungeons and Dragons where like you only have these select ones you can be and it has to be in this world and you play that certain way. But now that I've seen that and I know that there's other options out there, I'm definitely super interested. And now that you and now that, you know, you've been a dungeon master, I feel like (laughs) You may have, you know, you might have osmosis. You might have absorbed some of that knowledge a little I feel bit. Like, I feel like I got so spoiled being able to be the dungeon master just because, like, it's first so of all, I, get to, I got to drive the story. Like, as yeah. she's the one who drives the story. You know, right. obviously it's kind of choose your own adventure, but I'm the one who kind of plans it out. But then also, like, with all of these characters introduced, like, I get to play with the voices. Yeah, and you play the NPCs, one playable characters. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I got to be like a little squeaky weasel and I get to be this big ogre and I get to do all these different things that like, I don't know. I feel like if I did it for real, I'd probably enjoy it the first time because it's the novelty. And then yeah. I'd be like, okay, well, I need to be the dungeon master or I'm out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've already been in control once. It might have been on a show, but I feel like I should just be in control. So I just feel like it's just like, you know what? Like, 
if, if you don't let me take it, I'll probably just take over anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, you just slowly get up from your seat and go over to the dungeon mat and you just like push them out of their chair and like, sit yeah, push the chair. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or I would just probably annoy them so much that they'd be like, you know what? Here, you do yeah. it. Here, here. Yeah, it's yeah. yours now. It's yours now. But like, because I feel like once I once I learn it and got into it, yeah. I'd be that person. Who'd be like, actually, that's not right. Actually, yeah. oh. like, oh my god, Janisha, like you, like I, I would go from a newbie to like this, like completely obsessed person who's like, actually, the rule book says this. And I'm. I, my plan is to now a hundred percent get you in to play one first round as a player and totally play with you as a dungeon master. I'm down. Yeah. This is a goal. You guys are hearing it now. I've been talking. Shout outs to Ian Thomas, Wizzy, Moonchaser. Him and I have been talking about doing a Dungeons & Dragons game for a minute. We are going to do this. We are going to come I'm, told, I, you know, I'm down. I'm yeah. totally down. I just I have a really good feeling you're going to kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm so. Very, I'm very competitive. Oh, like, okay. Like, I'm that person where it's like, I'm not a sore loser yeah. because I don't lose. Oh. You know, like, like I'll do whatever I can. Like I'll do whatever I can to not lose. It's not that I don't lose. It's just that like I will do whatever I can not to Long. lose. Okay. I, I I've am... had people just like give up in the middle of a game with Scrabble. Like my entire family, we were like twenty people. We went camping, and we were doing team Scrabble. And like one by one, within twenty minutes, I was playing alone. <laughs> like, you're not like I challenged their words. I'm like, here's a seven letter word. Like I like I'm just. I'm just really, really annoying with games. <laughs> I don't like losing, so I just make sure that I don't lose as much as possible. But like when I do lose, I'm I handle it well. I just don't ever get to that point because people usually just quit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. This is hilarious because I'm such a uh, like. It's funny because when I play games, I'm so just like laissez-faire. Uh, like I'm not competitive, and it's fun for me when I play with people who are competitive. Hopefully, they're on my team because if they're, <laughs> like, because when they're like, uh, I'm so the level you would be at, you'd probably get annoyed with me because I'd also be like, okay, and I would just withdraw, like not withdraw internally, but I would I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be a good competitor for you because you'd be like, mm -hmm. this isn't fun if you're not actually trying. And I definitely would not be trying. And, and it's really bad when it comes to board games like that. Um, but then the reason that it, that works for me sometimes is because by not trying and the other people going really intense on me, I kind of just like end up getting lucky sometimes. And then they're just like, you're not even trying. And you got, and I'm like, yeah, who knew who knew doing this, this, and this would lead me to win this game of life? And now I have the mansion. I didn't even go to college. Eh, oh well. And there, yeah, yeah. I think I've had, I've had, <laughs> yeah, I've had boards flipped on me. Like that's, I'm one of, I'm, I'm the kid that's, you. Oh, you have you flipped? <laughs> I've never, no, I've never flipped a board. I have okay. flipped a board on me because they're just like you're so annoying. It's like, so like yeah, I like, like I love the fact that we've both had it for completely different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I like that with even like. With anything, like even, I remember, like a long time ago, I went to play a game of pickup volleyball with people that I didn't know. One of my friends was like, "Come, let's go to like this park. I have like a bunch of friends who are playing pickup volleyball, and like I'm actually pretty decent at volleyball. I'm not the best, cool. but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm the one that you probably want on your team." I didn't know at the time, but I knew that I severely had injured my thumb. Oh, okay. But I kept playing for four more hours because I was like, I cannot lose, and then I. Had <laughs> it turned out that I fractured my thumb, but I just kept playing because I was just like, no, I can't lose. Um, oh, my God. So it's one of those things where if there is a way to win, 
Okay. If there's a way for me to get through, then I will do whatever it takes. Okay. Um, like I'm not going to all of a sudden like out race Usain Bolt, you know, yeah, yeah, like, but you might trip him up and win. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, like, I also, like, I, I'm, 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 I'm self-aware. So I know, yeah. you know what, like, I'm not the best, I'm not the fastest runner. I don't have the best cardiovascular endurance, but hey, you saying you want to have a dance off? You know, you want to play some volleyball? Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe I can be, I, I'll pick the game. That's all. You just need to know your, uh, you, need to, you need to play your strengths. That's right. <laughs> know your weaknesses to know like when it's time to let that person shine. I love I'll, it. I'll, I'll let you have the race, you know? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, that's so funny. I I just like that Hussein Usain Bolt's the first person we go to. It's just like, yeah, true. I, <laughs> yeah, I go from volleyball to like, you know, <laughs> the fastest man in the world. You know? Go figure. It's just like, I'm not fast, but let's play some badminton. I got a mean serve, buddy. Like for me, that would be it. I would totally challenge him to badminton because at one point I was pretty aces at badminton. I feel like every kid in Uptown played badminton on we the had to. We had to. I feel like every kid like I, I we all play badminton and that brought our cultures together because if yeah. somebody didn't like if, if there was a new immigrant who didn't speak English or French, yeah, their country probably played badminton still yeah. and they just come pick it up. It yeah. was so much fun. Yeah. I sometimes think of it too as the fact like bad, they they chose badminton over tennis because they just didn't want us whipping tennis balls at each other. Like you couldn't the, you yeah. couldn't throw the shuttle like you just couldn't. You, <laughs> but all the strength in the world, it would just no, it would yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, many a times, many a times playing because I just remember playing murder. What was was it suicide ball? What's the one with the where you whip the ball? Whip the ball? ball, suicide, dodgeball, murder ball, like all of them. Game. Yeah, yeah, uptown. So many games that we were just playing that we're like, these are some problematic names, but hey, this is fun. <laughs> I feel like every single sport involving a ball at some point hit me in the head. Yeah, like, yeah, right. In the head with a dodgeball, with a softball. Like, oh God. like, oh in gym God. Class, like in gym class, dodgeball to the face, like softball to the head. Like I bless. Are you, uh, you're okay though. <laughs> functions, you know, <laughs> we survived, we survived uptown crazy times. Um, but okay. So well, actually let's talk about that a bit. Cause uh, like I said, I did, I, I went from uptown to Abbott's, which definitely did not want to go to, but ended up there had fun and again no offense to the people from abbott because i know sometimes when i say i didn't i didn't want to go to abbott people get offended it wasn't you guys when you grow up in uptown and spend your whole time running around schoolyards and stuff like that and then you get sent to what looks like the campus in american movies and you're just like this is a little much for me like i didn't want to go to morehouse light you know i if i wanted to go to more i would have gone to like you know spellman and all those schools with the huge campus and mm. like so it was weird for me it was weird like sitting in the quad and watching people play frisbee quad. yeah yeah that was weird like all these things and i ended up at Loyola campus too for university concordia university of montreal so I also ended up in the quad there and it was just always these weird campuses where I was just like, this is, you know, green spaces are weird for me. Like <laughs> that was, if it's not a park surrounded by huge buildings that just don't make sense, I feel uncomfortable. What's all this sky. Um, <laughs> but what was it like for you? You, you know, you went to Bedford and then what, like, what were some of the things you did as you were growing up and, and that eventually led to you doing your acting and, you know, just thriving in Montreal and being on shows like younger. The bold type. Apologies. Okay. That's okay. Both um, of those, yes. So, I mean, it's it's hard to answer that question because 
acting has been in my life since I was a child. Mm. And I've also feel like I've lived so many different lives. Yeah. So like I mentioned, like I got like, and my, our grade six, my grade six teacher, Marc André, Okay. Um, who I love, he like reminded me on Facebook, like I think he saw something that I didn't. He was like, I remember your like your first thing that you did at Bedford, you know? That's so, um, so like I got I got the bite, like I got bitten really, really young. Um through Bedford, I had the opportunity to be on something on Radio Canada and like just being in front of the camera um was amazing. And my uncle owns a record label. So like cool. like I went to my first club when I was five to watch his artists play. <laughs> And see Jane Cool G and Carl Henry, you know, like back oh, in no. day, old school, you know. Um, but like, so I, I I grew up being like in all their music videos and things like that, and always wanted to do something in front of the camera. Mm. I thought it was Miss America because I watched Miss America, um, and then I realized I think I was like four, and then I realized well I'm not American. And <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to be on TV. Yeah, um, but I didn't really think it was anything really. I didn't think it was possible to get to the level that like I'm at and some of my friends who are even further are at in mm -hmm. Montreal. Mm. Um, like when you're that young, you don't really think of it. Like to me, like yeah. it's funny. I met this girl on Instagram and she had said that her dream when she was younger was to be on Barney. And I was like, oh. me too. Like when I was younger, I was like, I want us to go to Vermont. Cause for some reason, I don't know if it's shot there, but in my mind it's shot. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to be on Barney. Cause I just wanted to be on TV. And like I, from a very young age, I remember just wanting to do this. Um, and I probably heard it on Entertainment Tonight, but I just gave my parents the yellow pages at 10 and was like, find me an agent. And they wow. did. So like even in elementary school, I was leaving school to go to auditions. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, like I, it was kind of like a quiet thing that I was doing on the side that nobody really knew. It didn't really go anywhere because I had a sister who was, who is, she's still here, who's very, yeah. very cute, but was very, very shy. So like okay. they wanted her to do stuff too, but she hated it. And you can't really be the parent of a child actor unless you're all in and it's yeah. not fair to like the other child if you're all in and the other one's not in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I went to high school in NDG. I went to Royal Vale and around, I guess when I was 15 ish, my agent closed and opened a casting agency. I didn't like the people who took over her agency. So I just stopped, but, okay. but she kept getting me small things because she remembered me from when I was a child. So even though I didn't have an agent, I was still doing TV shows. I was still doing, yeah things here or there um not not under actor but still it was on tv it was cool it was exciting yeah. to me and it's and yeah because actor is important but for you it was just like i would like to just do some stuff in front of the camera well at then i didn't even know what actor was like fair yeah like, actra is like sag in canada yeah. so they like they set the minimum rates um they protect you like to me like i could not like, i work actra and like that's <laughs> all that i do but back then I was just happy to be on TV even like I would do yeah. it for free, but I was getting paid to be on TV and to so cool. magazines and stuff. But I was also a nerd. Like I went to a math and science high school, yeah. so I followed science and CJEP. You know, I went, I studied health sciences. Um, I did biology in university and then very quickly realized that I love learning about it, but I don't ever want to work in it Yeah, to marketing, um, which was kind of like a natural affinity for me, but I still missed acting. Mm. You know, and in my mind, I was just like, okay, like, what can I do that will feed that beast? Because like, I don't even know where it came from. It's not like somebody instilled it in me. You know, none of my parents are entertainers, you know, um, but I've always had that urge to perform. Yeah. You, know? um, you have the bug and that's and that's cool. And I think that there's a lot of young people out there. 
it's an obsession and it's, it's like a drug for me, you know, (laughs) like in my, like around like 21, I just got back into it. And just through, I guess just like through like, not even luck, but just through like being, meeting the right people at the right time. um, You know, I found the best, the best training I found, you know, like I got to perform at the center. I found a really good agent and then slowly things started um, picking up very slowly, but it wasn't, I'd say until about, eight years ago that like I started working consistently, even mm-hmm. though not everybody was aware of it, but I was working consistently and it's kind of been this like hyperbolic climb. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is really cool. Um, but it's interesting because, because I've had so many lives, like I've worked in sales, I work in marketing, like I do all these different things and I've done all these different things that some people only know me as like the science the science person. Some people yeah. only, like I, I cheered all through CJEP and university competitively. And then I started the team at Concordia. I choreographed oh, it. Like I still have my pom-poms, you know, some people only know me as like, you know, the cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And some people only know me as the actor. And then there's so many different facets. So it's like, it's kind of, while like I, part of me wishes that where I am now happened like 10 years ago. Mm. Part of me is also very grateful because I have so many different tools that I can yeah. use to access different facets of the industry. Like now I'm writing, you know, and I don't think that if I had gotten here 10 years ago, I don't think I would have had the urge. I wouldn't have had the experiences that I have to be able to, to like to do what I'm doing. And you know? It's kind of the classic thing of like, they say youth is wasted on the young. Like you, you like, cause, and it's true. I've, I've had many thoughts cause there's so many things that I've done in raw in broadcast that I, look back and I'm like, if I could take the knowledge I have now and put it in just Brian at 22 and be like, dude, this is what you should be doing. This is, this is, this will equal this. And you'll, and it's just like, man, that's crazy. And yeah, and it's just always that sense of, but then at the same time, it's so wonderful for us to feel like that sense of accomplishment to at the age that we're at now too. Like I hundred percent. And I think it's yeah. one of those things where like, look, like for me, I'm like, if I could put the talent and experiences into like 22 year old Tanisha's body, mm. like, that would be amazing. But at the same time, like I'm, I am incredibly proud because I, yeah. and you should like, be like, I'm not, I'm not that person where if you don't, like, I don't really get recognized for the most part, like I do every now and then, but I'm not that person where you're like, Oh, you're that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my industry, I've, if I had, let's say like 15 years ago, all of a sudden like booked this big thing and started working, like I don't think I would have had the level of respect that I have now in this industry. Mm-hmm. So it's like I've built a reputation in within my industry um, that took a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears and effort and like disappointment. Um, but it wouldn't have been the same if I, you know, struck gold at 16. Yeah. You know, I would have just been that kid who was lucky, you know? Yeah. Whereas now like I've, and and that's something that one of my, the acting coach that I stumbled upon, Jacqueline McClintock, unfortunately passed away. She would always instill in me when I was like 21 years old, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, you're cute, you're bubbly, but she's like, people are going to think that you're booking rules because you're cute and you're bubbly. Mm. So like you, and she goes, you know, you're good, but she goes, you should, you need to make sure that you work hard so that when those opportunities come to show your talent versus just like Blue Mountain State, my role was hot campus girl number two. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's kind of like the roles to expect to get, but it's more that. So number one, so that when you get those opportunities for something deeper that they're taking a chance on you with, because they only see you as like a gossip girl type person, yeah, show them what you have and that you're ready to, to do it. But also you don't want to just 
nobody wants to just play the hot person their whole life, you know? I, or, yeah. or, nobody wants to play one thing, the hot person, the geek, uh, exactly. the you know, like nobody wants to just do that. So for me, what was amazing is that through, through like, and, and, and it wasn't, she wasn't saying that to bring me down. She was saying that to just remind me to like fully develop myself as opposed yeah. to coast. Cause I yeah. think it's so easy to coast, especially when like right place, right time, right meeting happens often for me. Yeah. Like I've, I've had many opportunities where it's like, Oh, like, you know, we talked about meeting a celebrity, which is like, I was just at this place and it's like, Oh, I met them. Um, and then we became friends or something that happens that hap that's happened to me many times, yeah. but that's not going to get, that's not going to get you all the way. Right. So I got very fortunate that like I worked really hard at developing my public vulnerability, you know, yeah. able to like be vulnerable and truthful um, to be able to play these dramatic roles. So, and you have such an excellent range. And I think one of the things that's funny when we were talking about being like an excellent dungeon master on uh, dungeons and distancing, B playing the dungeon master, and as much as people think of a dungeon master, it's just like a character. When you were describing what a dungeon master does, a lot of people don't realize like a good dungeon master is someone who has the wide range. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you, through your experiences and working hard, develop such an amazing range mm -hmm. that you could then get a role like that where, it, you know, it shines in such a perfect way. Uh, it, it's not, you didn't intend for it to be, you didn't intend to, to bring such like gravitas or energy to a character like that, but you do naturally because you've just done so much. And that's what's so cool about it. Well, thank you. Thank and, you. And no, it, it really is. And and when you were talking about it and I, and you, you, when you were talking about playing the role and then you're talking about the things you've done for me as a nerd, I see that all coming together. Cause I'm just like, yes, that's what, yeah. You know, and I think, I think that like, I've been very blessed in my career so far to be able to play, you know, these like, like the dungeon master, which sounds like such a, a light role, but they're so, it's so intricate Yes. Or to play, you know, like the hot campus girl, but to also be able to, you know, to do these deeply dramatic and moving yeah. projects as well. That like, if like 15 years ago, like I had it in me to do it like in, in front of my mirror, but I wouldn't yeah. do it in front of the camera and in a believable way that makes you want to, to feel too. So those experiences kind of helped me further develop myself. And now like, like I, like the, I thrive and I love, and it sounds really sad, but like, I love the most dramatic roles ever. Like I love the roles that involve like, you know, your heart breaking into a million pieces, even though it's so hard on, on me, like on my heart to do yeah. it. Like, like, like the, the embers of magic start like building up inside of me. And it's something that I, didn't feel when I was 22 years old. Like mm. I didn't know how to access that at That's 22. Cool. I didn't have like the training or the life experience or just yeah. like, not even the life experience, just the awareness of who I am mm -hmm. and like all the different facets of who we are as one, like, you know, cause I'm not just one person. Yeah. Um, I never, I didn't have that at 22. I was I, at 22. I was literally like, I was the cheerleading nerd, you know, <laughs> and, and, already, and already the fact that I knew those, that duality was cool. Yeah. But now, like, like the, like the list is endless of what you yeah. want. You feel the same way. You know, there's so many different things that, like, in any given moment, depending on the situation, you're ten different people, and you're still authentically you. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, and, and I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't realize because when we're younger, you kind of you belong to cliques. 
and then you identify identify with clicks for yeah. a really long time. And even as you grow older, you still tend to identify like I have always identified as a nerd and as a geek. And it's only when I got into radio and broadcasting that I saw other people being really into things like, you know, one of my friends is into electronic music and like, uh, like glitch sound and stuff like that. And, you know, I remember him the first time I heard someone refer to themselves as a geek and not be talking about superheroes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was confusing because in my head, I was just like, no, no, I'm a geek. What are you yeah. talking about? And he was explaining to me like, well, no, you can be a geek for other things. And, and, uh, and then it just started to open my mind to like, oh, yeah, geekdom is not only comic books. It's whatever passion you might have. And then that branches off into other things that you might have interest in and other people have interest in. And next thing I knew, I was like thinking about all these things connecting that I just never looked at that way. Yeah. I never thought of before. And it was such an interesting thing to realize then, which was like, I don't know, I'm 37 now, so maybe 15 years ago that I I am more than the one thing I thought I was in high school. And that embrace, like, and that comes from life experience and from meeting other people. Yes. So like for me, like one of the best things that I did in like Royal Vale, my high school at the time was like 70% Jewish, mm. you know? Um, and it was great. Like I got to meet a whole bunch of different people, but then yeah. I went to Dawson and Dawson, we had like the Jew calf, you know? Yes. It's like, it's called, but that's what they called it, you know? Yeah. So, I kind of made the decision to not spend all of my time there with the same people. Mm. You know, these are people who went to my school from elementary school and then they're meeting up with all their camp friends that I know as well. But I, I, I kind of, I don't even know where I got the realization, but I kind of looked at this and I was like, I'm going to be the same person forever mm. if I stay in this calf. Yeah. And I went and I went to like the atrium and I went to Conrad's and I went to different places and I did, I did activities outside of my friend's group. I decided to do things that I just wanted to do. Like yeah, I started, I started doing different things like that, and that opened things up for me. And then and that's, that's brave too, by the way, because it's scary to like at least for when we're young, it's scary to be like, I could stay in the comfort zone with my friends and know these people are here for me, or I can venture out into the world where I don't know what's going to happen when I do these activities. But it's also thrilling, like yeah, some of the best experiences I had, like I was in a sorority at Concordia. Cool. You know? And that was something that like on my bucket list, like I wanted to go to like an American university. And because yeah. I decided to stay in Montreal, um, I had very young siblings. When I started Cijac, my I had a baby brother who was just born. I didn't want to leave. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to try to just make the most out of my college experience as much as I can. So I joined a sorority. I joined cheerleading. I did competitive cheerleading. And I met people from not just all over the city and all over the province, but all over the world. Yeah, um, and, and that opened so much up to me, and it brought good and bad experiences. But mm. it expanded my worldview beyond Uptown, beyond Royal Valley, yeah. beyond the Jew Calf, beyond all these things. And it, it it like multiplied that duality, and it mm. it did it uncovered different things inside of me, and 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 it was not liberating because I never felt trapped. Like I was like, I, I loved high school. I loved my experience. I love my friends. I yeah. still have friends from high school, but I just felt like I still well, remember that like, it, it, you know, I, I wasn't just, uh, I wasn't just existing. I was living, you know, when yeah. existing and like being the stereotype and being this like caricature and archetype, like, I don't, I don't want to be an archetype. Like I'm not just. Yeah. One yeah. 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 You know? no, I, get I, that. I think that that's like the beauty of life is that you, you know, we are multitudes and, you got to lean into it sometimes. If not, then you feel, I stuck. Love, you feel stuck. 
Yeah, I love how casually you talk about it. Uh, when I like, I know for a fact for me, facing that stuff was scary. Like I'm like the way you sound like you went through it was like the adventure, and I think that's one of the things that's definitely cool about who you've described yourself and how you see yourself and how other people see you. And just like the idea of like, you know, I'll do what I have to do to win. It's also that bravery. And like, I will venture into these uncharted waters and I will survive mm -hmm. because I'm going to find something fun and interesting to do. And it, it's, I definitely wasn't like, like when I was younger, uh, you know, I was, I always say, uh, when I was younger, I always said, I, I like to talk a lot, but I'm not saying much. And I, 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 I used to, I used to feel like that all the time. Like I'll be outgoing, but I'm, I'm not really, I wasn't venturing beyond my comfort zone when I needed to. And it's only re like, I feel not recently because at 37, I feel like I've been doing it for at least 10 years, but that's the period of time where I feel like I've got comfortable with knowing that like, this is who I am. And I can I can be okay with not knowing things and learning new things and experiencing new things and and you know and that that weird sense that some of us get when we think we're right about something but we could ultimately be wrong and just accepting like it's okay to be wrong sometimes. Yeah, and that's, that's um, some of the best, some of the most beautiful moments come from discovering you're wrong and learning. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. 100%. But it's also one of those things where like you talk about, and yeah, it was definitely a journey and an experience. Um, but I think it came from like, I grew up uptown, which mm. to me, like I was so sheltered. Like there's so much that happened in that community <laughs> and it was probably like right next door to me that I just, I was so sheltered. Like I was in my, like my mom would call me Lala. I was in my own little world, you know? <laughs> so I feel like it probably came from that of like this urge that, okay, like I'm 17 years old mm. and this is my environment. It's safe. But like, I wanted to go to school in the States. So why can't I just learn through this? And it's something that I feel like having, and I don't think I did it intentionally. I think that like certain things like leaving the Jew cap, that was intentional, you know, because mm -hmm. I really wanted to meet other people. Um, yeah. I love my friends, but other things wasn't always intentional. It was more just, it, it was a pull. Mm. You know, where it's like, I'm pulled to do this. I'm pulled to do that. I'm pulled to meet other people. And I feel like it's a cycle of life for me, you know, where it's like, I go through this period where I am comfortable and I'm learning and I'm thriving. And then I feel not stuck, but like a little stagnant mm -hmm. or, or, or this thing, just like, like a little too comfortable. And mm. then it's like, okay, time to, and not, and I'm not the kind of person who's like time to shake everything up and like throw my yeah. upside down, but it's like time to add to that toolbox. Yes. What can you do to add to that toolbox? And yeah. I always joke that I'm going to live forever because there's so many things that I want to do. So it's more like, okay, well on that list of things that I want to do, what can I add to it? You know, what can I add to expand the circle? So it's like the most recent thing that I did is like, I submitted a show to Netflix through a pitch initiative that they had. And cool, then I yeah. selected, as one of, selected as one of the finalists. So I got to actually like pitch my series to like a Netflix awesome. executive in LA and it was terrifying because yeah. it was new to me. It was new territory, but it was also thrilling because I was just like, I'm drawn to do this. Yeah. Whether I get laughed out of the room or whether they love it, it doesn't matter because I'm going to survive it and it'll catapult me to the next thing. And yeah. it's all these other doors to me. And that's, I think that like, it's so easy and it's happened to me too, where it's like, we live in fear mm, yeah, you know? yeah. because like, look like the fight or flights, like the fight or flight complex, like that, you know, in the caveman days, it was, you know, actually life or death. Yeah. yeah. Now that fight or flight is, oh, should I have to actually call my doctor to make an appointment? And then you feel all this anxiety and you're yeah. like, how do I feel so anxious about like 
when I go to my parents' house, mom's like, can you pay the pizza delivery guy? And I'm like, why do I have to pay him? Yeah. Know? And it's yeah. these like stupid things that like trigger that fight or flight response. Yeah. And, and I kind of learned through different experiences to slowly lead into it very small steps because mm. then you look at it and you're like, well, didn't die. Obviously, like if it's jumping off a building, you don't do it. But if it's something like, hey, like, you know, for you, maybe you have this person, your dream guest for your podcast. Yeah. And like, I'm going to reach out to them, you know, yeah. but something tells you not to because you're afraid. But then you're like, well, if I do and they say no, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to yeah. lose everything. They're not going to laugh me out of the room. What do I have to lose? To and then, Tomi Ayodemi, the author of Child and Bones, that's her. Yeah. Because I did, I did, I did. She said she couldn't. She had, I, and it's funny because I did it right before she did the Tonight Show. Oh, uh, so like, it was funny. like, yeah, it was like a week before. Like, I obviously they had already been in the works, but like a week before, like she really blew up in the like common, like people, everyone was aware of her. I was just like looking into her, and I was just like, man, this book sounds amazing. And I had just started reading the book, and I was just like, I want to talk to her about this before I even finish the book. And I was just like, no, you should finish the. And anyways, so I just emailed, and then her assistant was just like, oh, I'm sorry, she's not taking interviews at the moment, but I still did it. But yes, there was that did moment of like, did it empower you to do it again with other people though? Yes, a hundred percent. Well, I did it before, nothing happened. Then you could do something yeah. a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Yeah. And it's nothing that's going to kill you, but it's yeah. something. Yeah. But like, it's still scary. Yeah, it's still scary. And, I, and it's funny because I'm—I've never thought of myself as a type to be embarrassed, but it was definitely that moment of just like, it, I, it was almost like if I shoot my shot now, I'll never get to shoot that shot again. Was the mentality? Because even if I wasn't afraid of shooting the shot, it was just like, e, do you want to take it now? Because you might never get to take that shot again. It's just like, well, no, I can, you I can literally email. email. Yeah, I could email her again now and be like, hey, I still would love to talk to you if ever you have the time. And and it's, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. One of the things that you said that I, I latched onto that I think is super important, it was the idea that when we're comfortable, uh, it's not necessarily just stepping out of the comfort zone, but looking at it as adding a new skill. That is one of the best ways to put that I've ever heard. Because I think that's so interesting that mm -hmm. because... Because some people think of it as going outside of the comfort zone, which adds even more fear to it, it when you flip it and think of the positive, like, I'm adding a new skill to my skill sets is so positive, And it's such a great way to look at it. Um, and I, yeah, I just wanted to really like, yeah. I wanted to emphasize that because I thought it was great. Sometimes I feel and, and like I joke about it. Sometimes it feels like you're like a character, like a character in a video game and you're adding, you're, you're upgrading, you know, oh, yeah. you're, adding yeah. a new weapon, you're adding a new skill. And that's what it feels like. Yeah. And and it's silly, but like sometimes I look at that and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm I'm exactly doing that. I'm like I'm adding my rapier or something. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but I just feel like a lot of people feel the reason that a lot of people don't take like, my conversations, they don't take the steps to like make change or to not even change, but just like to evolve a little bit. Mm. It's not just because of the fear that they're comfortable where they are and of the fear of change. It's more that they see it as an all or nothing. So they yeah. see if I need to go from like, you know, I'm an accountant and I hate it to being a writer. And that means that I need to quit my job right now and go and, and like try to start writing. And it's like, no, you don't need to, you don't need to like burn the boat. You don't need to, to, to burn the city down and tear everything. Yeah. You can add something to your toolbox that will then give you more tools to then, you know, slowly get to where you need to be. It doesn't, you don't need that's, to throw everything out the window. That's yeah. Beautiful.
Beautiful. We were supposed to talk about you on TV shows, but we are talking about life altering <laughs> things. No, this is great. Like, this is why I love having these conversations. I, you know, when I first started doing this, I, I so I started doing not a journalist more so uh, when I got laid off from work uh, last year during the like early days of the pandemic. And since then, I got brought back, but I just needed something to do daily because it felt really daunting to not have anything to do it was just that sense of like oh well my job is what i was doing every day and then i came home to relax what yeah. do you do when you don't have the daily job you so i was furloughed and i was just like okay i gotta figure out something and i love podcasting i love talking to people and the first ones and again it was very much that thing of like at first i started doing solo episodes just like talking about stuff. And that was, again, not a fear, but more just a sense of like, I hadn't done it before. And it was like you said, it just every step got easier as I added. And I, I feel like I've added to my toolbox or my skill sets by being able to have better one-on-one -on -one conversations. Because even when I used to do my radio show at CJLO, uh, I, I had a great time doing this, the, the show. Uh, you know, I got to go to Zurich, Switzerland and represent Canada at international radio wow. festivals. I got to interview the the Jizza. I've interviewed Tech, uh, Tech9, I, all these different people. and But all those interviews always felt daunting because I was just like, oh my God, I got to make sure I don't say certain things to the jizz and like uh, uh, you kind of just stutter and freak you know, out and, and like you yeah and then you know once and it's funny that doing not a journalist last year was when i felt i was like the peak peak of my like conversation skills because i don't look at them in interviews i look at them as just trying to have conversations with people and and now again this is one of those situations where like i know i don't have to live in the past but god i would love to you, you know what, maybe funny enough maybe i will reach out to the jizz again because it's like one of those mm -hmm. times where yeah, it's just like, dude, we had a great conversation back then, and I didn't know what I was doing. At least I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. Now that I feel like I know what I'm doing, talking to the Jizza or the Riz or anyone from Wu Tang, for that matter, would be such an interesting conversation for me to have. Like, it would be so much fun to yeah. explore that stuff. I just right? feel like the way I took this course in university, this marketing course, and one of the assignments was to pick the CEO of a company oh, cool. and have a conversation with them. Okay. Mm. And 90% of the people were able to reach them. Like 90% of the people in the class were able to do it because wow. you, you get so daunted. And the fact is that these people, like most, like they, sometimes they get a lot of requests, but mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't. And it's just being strategic. So it's like, Hey, like call at seven o'clock in the morning when the receptionist isn't there yet <laughs> to their room, you know, but it's these things where, because you're like, I can't call the president of bank of Montreal. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to answer the phone. But they're just still a person. Yeah. They're still a person, you know? So yeah. it's like once you remember that, then you take them off that pedestal and you realize that, hey, they might not answer, but like, why am I not gonna try it at the fear that it's not gonna work out? Like yeah. you're already you're already stunt you're already stunting your growth before yeah. even taking that first step. Yeah. You know? And like I say and like don't get it, don't get it twisted. Like I know I'm talking, like I got it all figured out. I, I do this all the time too. Like it's like yeah. a, it's a continuous, continuous relearning process. Right. Or it's like cyclical. Like I said, you know, you do it. You're like, oh, my God, I'm killing it. I'm taking all the risks. And I'm like, OK, I'm really, really safe in my bubble now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, OK, time to do this again. You know, so it's 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 an it's an nonstop up and down process. Do you feel like you're the the auditions that you've done as you've been growing? You've gone for 
roles that you wouldn't have gone for originally be because of this growth? Oh, yeah. Okay. You're already nodding. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, look, like, first of all, it's the fact that the casting in Montreal um, mm. and in Toronto now, cause they know me as well too. Cool. Um, yeah. They, they either like they've cast me in things. So they trust me. They know my reputation. They've also seen what I can do. Mm. I also have an amazing agent who like, look like we're the same age, but I, play very very young like we both look way younger you know yeah. um so i like my my typical age that i play is like 25 26 27 but yeah. she pushes me into like large into older roles and then which are often more interesting mm. and then they'll just be like yeah we'll just lower the age or something um but look like i've auditioned for star trek i've auditioned oh. for why the last man like oh i'm so excited I've, for that show yeah yeah like I, i've had like really amazing auditions and and i find that especially i guess since 2018 2019 which is when i filmed fatherhood um, mm -hmm. when i filmed future man um i filmed a whole bunch of different shows that that were either that are well received or that were really anticipated that mm -hmm. kind of like gave me an extra clout um yeah. so now like i've auditioned for vancouver for like these amazing shows and they're all lead or supporting characters um that definitely 10 years ago even if i had the opportunity i don't and i probably had the talent then but i don't think i had the the guts or like mm -hmm. the i don't think i had like the chutzpah <laughs> like to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be able to like properly embody that it's like i had the talent but mm -hmm. i didn't have it in me to properly bring that out mm -hmm. whereas now i feel like it's just like I don't get intimidated by those by those roles. I don't get intimidated by working with certain people. It's more like, yeah, bring it on. Let's hope something comes out of it. If not, yeah. next because auditions is just like constantly pitching, right? So we're constantly auditioning. But I've had some, I've had some really amazing auditions for shows that I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I should book it, and I didn't book it because it's disappointing. Mm. I've had auditions that I thought were like not bad, but just like, Oh, I could have done better. And then you're like, they loved it. And I book it, you know? Um, but I've definitely had some really fun opportunities and hopefully there's, there's more, obviously there's going to be more, but I, I look forward to just like that really exciting, that, that role that's really exciting that I actually book again, you know? Yeah. I want to point out for fatherhood. Cause you mentioned it. We had a conversation where you said the Obamas have like, know who I am. Yeah. Can we take a moment to center ourselves a deep breath? <sighs> so I've been about this for like a month and I'm still not centered about it. I'm still I, uh, yeah, I, I'm going crazy inside. I I feel like I have goosebumps just knowing I know someone that the Obamas know. Like that to me seems like such a wonderful and amazing thing to feel. Like first things first, how, what tell me the story. Like, tell me about fatherhood. Tell me about uh, the Obamas. The, what What's the connection? How, how, see, I'm jumbled right now just even trying to talk about it. So, like, first of all, like, I love the Obamas. I think, like, every black person loves the Obamas. But, like, right. I love the Obamas. Like, I saw them when I was in D.C. At, like, three days after his second, his reelection. Like, I yep. saw him them in D.C. I saw, like, in person you know like i saw michelle um when she came here for uh, her becoming tour oh, yeah. yes um, yes and so fatherhood so so for me like the connection is amazing because like my dream like i love barack my dream like about michelle to me is the ultimate role model like i want 
I want to just like bask in the glory of like all that right. she is, you know? And like if Brock's there, that's great. Like I love yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and he's so intelligent. He's so intelligent. Yeah. He's such a great role model too, but there's something about Michelle. Yeah. That yeah. like she's my she's my Oprah. Like she's my second yeah. Oprah, you know? Um, but fatherhood to me is Look, like when you when you do a production, you never really know, even if you're the star, how much of you is going to make it into the film and how much is being cut. This is the only project that I'm like, I don't care if I'm cut out of the whole movie. People mm. just need to know this story. Okay. So it's based on a true story of Matt Loglin, who him and his wife, they're from Minnesota. They move to California and they get married and she gets pregnant. They start a blog to keep their family in Minnesota up to date on her pregnancy. Um, yeah complications she gives birth a little bit early and then 28 hours after delivery she dies mm. um which like i remember reading this script i got the script when i was coming back from miami to montreal and within five pages of the script i'm at the bar in the airport bawling my eyes yeah out. um it's such a moving story so his blog quickly went from you know a pregnancy update for their family to just like a data dump of his feelings yeah. Um, you know, she was the maternal one. She was the parental one. He's this guy who's just there with this baby girl who does not know what he's doing. Um, so as he's struggling to um, learn how to raise his daughter, um, who's, by the way, she's she just turned 13 two days ago. She's incredible. Wow. Um, and he's struggling to raise his daughter. It becomes kind of like a, a blog. And mm -hmm. that blog gains traction. Um, and then it becomes a memoir, two kisses for Maddie. Cause every night he put her to bed and gave her one kiss from him and one kiss from her mother. Oh, God damn. So the movie is a story about fatherly love mm. about, um, you know, just like trying to figure it out, but also him finding love again through the memory of his dead, through flashbacks of his dead wife. Yeah. It allows him to find love again. And it's not a spoiler cause it's very well known with a woman who has the same name as his wife as his mm. wife, you know? Um, and now it's 13 years later, um, he's married to this woman who she was like an executive producer of Bob's Burgers. She's like, okay. she's a genius in her own right. Um, and they have another baby. And it's, for me, it's so cool to see how their story was and where they are now. Yeah. I was like, going to say, cause you get to see the IRL of that. Yeah. Like, and it's movie. also so cool because look like they were supposed to make this movie in 2015 with Channing Tatum because Matt Loglin oh. is white. Okay. Okay. Kevin Hart is playing Matt Loglin. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Interesting, yeah. When has that ever happened? Yes, I know. Never. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I think that's so, like, and it's not something that you would ever think of, mm -hmm. but I know that if it was a story of my life and they wanted Emma Stone to play me, I would be like, hell no, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I want a black person to play me. Um, and I think that it's pretty cool that, like, he has him, he has this black man. It's, it's, it becomes this, it's not a black movie, but it's a black story, right? Yeah it's a primarily black cast um, telling the story of this white family. Interesting. Um, and it's great because you get to see like, you follow her, you see her from birth, but it's really at the age of five to seven, you see okay. them and you see positive black fathering. Yeah. Um, you see this like headstrong, tough little girl, Melody Heard, who is like, she's now one of the stars of them. Than the covenant oh. on Prime, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. powerhouse. Like, so it's cool to see that evolution. And um, basically, it was supposed to have a theatrical release. Um, then Ms. Rona came, yeah, and it, the date kept changing. It kept yeah. changing. It kept changing. And then finally, um, I think it was January. Kevin had Kevin Hart 
had announced um, a four picture deal with Netflix. Oh, okay. And from then it was like, I kind of knew, even though nobody would say anything because yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and NDAs until, until it's uh, public, but um, I kind of knew that it would kind of go on Netflix mm. and the Obamas have a production company called higher ground. Right. Yes. So, so and they have a deal with Netflix. Yes. So yeah. Kevin R has a deal with Netflix and the, Obama, and the higher ground has a deal with Netflix. So they acquired the worldwide rights to fatherhood um, in every country except for China, because China is a different, I don't even know if they have Netflix in China, um, but in every country worldwide except for China. So okay. on January 18th, June 18th, it'll be broadcast. It'll be premiering around the world. Awesome. By the Obamas, which is amazing. And I honestly, it's one of those, pro- look, it's two years later. And yeah. I and I'm still so attached to this project. Everything about it is stuck with me. And I can't wait for people to actually learn this story and meet these people and like see Kevin Hart in a truly dramatic role because okay. he's going to surprise people. I think he's, he's really going to surprise people. I'm excited. I think one of the things I love about what Kevin's been doing lately is he, he's really the positive black father image like he's trying he's really pushing that forward because we i mean you and i both grew up watching all these tv shows and you know you had uncle phil and cosby and who unfortunately you know is what that is yeah um and then you had uncle uh you had um the dad from family matters reginald uh, yeah yeah carl winslow so we've had we've had these very specific characters but then you know then you start to think of like on the 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 like white sitcoms there's like 101 of them right you have from like the 50s 40s all the way down to even if it was radio docs it's just all the way down till today you've had that image of like the bob saggots as the dads on these full houses and that's just what it's been so when you look back and you, you know there's not as many you know you had damon who did it too for a wife and kids yeah. like it, it the, like the fact that i feel like i could name all the black fathers moms yeah on like two hands and it still squeezes into from like the mid, like the eighties till now. I'm happy that we are venturing out of that and that we're getting more examples and they're you know, like entertainment in general is just telling more of those stories. Yeah. And it's also not just a positive black father influence, but it's also a single father and like the yes. realities of that struggle with a girl, yeah. you know, because she is a tomboy. I play her teacher in her Catholic school Okay. Um, and you know, and there's, and there's conflicts around that because it's like, there are certain, like, you know, there's certain things that maybe like traditional gender roles that aren't being not, not aren't at play, but aren't being introduced to this mm-hmm. child being raised by this single guy's guy. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's not because she, it's like, it doesn't matter if she's a tomboy or not. It's just that she wasn't being presented with these things. So mm. there's, I kind of create some conflict in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to it. But it, but to me it was it's really cool to see that it's really cool to see you know Alfred Woodard plays his mom a uh, plays his mother in law okay. you know um, which is like she's awesome in itself that to she's me was a great like, I'm gonna be on the screen with her um, what was cool though is that at the beginning of 2019 I made a list of all the actors that I wanted to work with mm-hmm. um, and first of all I realized that 80 percent of that list was people that I actually knew like cool. friends of mine who were just like so incredible um, but Kevin Hart was on that list. Okay. So to be, and she was on that list too. So to be able That's to so dope. both off um, was so amazing. And um, yeah, I'm it, so, it's years in the making for me and 13 years in the making for Matt and Maddie. Um, yeah. 
and uh, it's, a, it's it's I think it's gonna it's going to be an amazing project. Look like it was adapted, written and adapted to the screen by Paul White's. Okay. You ever seen the movie um, about a boy, which is one of my favorite. Oh, movies. Wow. Yeah. He yeah. co-wrote that with his brother and directed that. And they were nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. He also directed American pie, but to me it's about a boy. Um, and also um, Mozart's, oh my God, I can't remember the name, but. His In the jungle? The... Sorry. You were saying Mozart's. It's a TV show called Mozart at the Jungle. Mozart in, Mozart's in the Jungle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he he directed that's a great that. show. He directed that as well. Oh, so okay. he's so gifted, um, yeah. and he's has this talent to be able to just kind of let the magic happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Man, especially like Mozart's such a good example of that because that show is very much about the magic and how it like connects throughout the whole story through music yeah. and this orchestra. So that's wild. Yeah, cool. Like there were a lot of scenes where. I like I was in I was supposed to be in the scene, but like I didn't have any lines. Like it's just like it's like a school scene or something's happening, and I'm just there. And then like Kev would be like, Kevin Hart would be like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I just realized I'm like just dropping like Kev. Um, By means. <laughs> he'd be like, um, he'd be like, but but like I I know her already. Why isn't she saying anything? Or like yeah. be like, well, you should be saying something. I'm like, okay, so what do you want me to say? And then Paul would just be like, say what feels right. Just go with that and we'll see what happens. And that was that was the whole thing. Like I'd come in and I'd be like, okay, what's the intention in this scene? And he'd be like, just do what feels right for you and we'll adjust if necessary. Oh, so dope. like the character that I auditioned for, which we did it like 20 million different ways and who I actually brought on screen. Yeah. Very, very different because it was all like just a guttural thing. Like it all just came from like inside um, yeah. based on him allowing me to just, just do my thing and and, be awesome. yeah. and like perform and like just live it with these people. Cause all of my scenes are with Melody, his daughter, like the Kevin Hart's TV daughter. Yeah. And then like 90% are also with Kevin. Those yeah. are the, like, I have like one other actor in my scene, maybe a few kids, but like all of my scenes are with them. So it's just me playing off of them the whole time. Um, so that's, I think that's why, because he just let us be us and mm. like, there were like, there are certain elements about like my friendship with this little girl melody um, that he even integrated into like the father daughter thing, like on screen, Whoa. like she, she like, so melody, her and her sister, um, remember the song Juju on that beat? Yes. So her and her sister did a video and it went viral. And <laughs> they read it on Ellen and they, that, that launched their acting career, but oh, they wow. happened to be like a very, very talented group of kids. Um, so like, she's always dancing. She was teaching me all these choreographies. She was teaching me how to floss. I still can't do it. But like, <laughs> all would see things that we were doing and the dances that we'd make up. And then he'd be like, can you teach that to Kevin? Okay. And they would do that. So to me, it's like, no matter how much I'm cut out of the film, I still see my influence in so many parts of yeah. it, like different relationship things that we did or through like, you know, like a, a very dramatic scene. And then Kevin would be like, you do drama. How is that? like to see that vulnerability it's really it's it's like a fever dream it's like a nightfall fever dream you know <laughs> i just like that the the, the 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 depiction sounds so organic which is something that i like the idea of like because you know for example the, the most organic thing that on on tv should be quote unquote reality tv in the sense that it's supposed to be real television this is real life and we just yeah. put cameras on. But most reality TV shows are scripted. And what you're describing with this story is, you know, interactions you've had with a the young actress 
was found found a way to inspire scenes in the movie. That to me sounds more real and in and organic than any of the other stuff that the, the on like yeah. reality TV stuff. And I, I think that's cool that 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 process that the director brought and that process that you guys as an as a team because you guys were being a team and a family brought onto the screen. There's was, so really much cool. humanity brought to this, and there's so much yeah. realness and look like I think it's like and like so much love brought to this you know like yeah. you watch, like you see kevin brushing his daughter's hair oh yeah you know? and like you see like a black man brushing his daughter's hair right. on screen you know like i've never seen that on a tv show or movie before yeah. um but that's also like the like that's how i perform like everything that i do is grounded in truth even if i'm playing a completely different character than who i am mm-hmm. like it has to come from truth yeah. right so for me that that set was really just an opportunity to just live organically. And obviously there's a script, you know, I we, we, there was a script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a script, but there were so many moments where like, you know, the oopsies became magic, yeah. you know? Um, so many moments like that, especially let's say the school scenes when you're working with 50 kid extras. Oh yeah. You know, who are or filming, they'll be like, excuse me, um, I like to Kevin Hart, excuse me, I, I see you on TV. Can you just help with me? And he's like, just go, just, you know, it's like, like you have to be ready for unpredictable moments, but, um, I love it. Like a lot of the movie was filmed like in pockets because there's a very big cast, mm. you know, Kevin Hart and Melody, Melody Hurd, they're the stars, but then you have Alfred Woodard, you have Lil Rel Howery, you have, um, uh, Deborah Irindi, you have, um, DeWanda Wise, you have, oh, wow. you have um, Anthony Kerrigan, you know, you have like, basically there's like, I, I, I'm like, I'm the one Canadian non-star among like all these big names. But because of that, like everybody, we kind of, they'd film it. Like everybody would come for like five, six, seven days at a time. And mm-hmm. then you just film everything in a block. So yeah. unfortunately they're like, I didn't have any scenes with Alfred Woodard. Like I didn't have, I wasn't even on, I think I was on set with her once on the same day, you know, okay. but, Otherwise, there was no overlap because it's like all of these scenes were done at this time. All the home, and, yeah. That was the only downside. So there's a lot of magic that I heard about, like secondhand. Um, I became friends with the little girl's mother, who's also named Tanisha. Um, oh, cool. So I'd hear from her, and I'd hear from like Kevin's team things that happened, or from the director. And I'm like, damn it, I missed it, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, man. Um, but I definitely. It's it's a special project. I think that everybody's. I, I hope everybody falls in love with with Matt and Maddie. As I'm much looking as, forward to it. As much I'm as looking I forward to it. Like, th- there's so much stuff that you just told me that I didn't even know that I'm intrigued by, and, and this experience sounds so magical and natural. And it, it's great hearing how you felt on it, and it's great hearing how the the depictions and everything that happened. I'm yeah. I mean, I this pandemic has been definitely very hard for like for the industry. Uh, and especially as someone who likes to discuss the industry, uh, you know, I'm always like, I'm always posting on Instagram, asking people questions about like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? I mean, you, you and I even had a conversation the other day because the new black widow film is now going to be released on Disney plus. And it's just like, how does it make you feel like, what are your thoughts on video direct to video on demand? And people, you know, had so many different things. And, you know, our conversation about that was, I think one of the most ones like these companies are looking for the best way to still deliver this wonderful content that they've made to you in a timely and wonderful manner and you know and they you know as much as they care about the theaters this story that you're you've we've talked about 
also needs to be told. And, yeah. you know, if it was supposed to be in 2015 and now here we are 2021. Like we obviously don't want to push back the stories there. It's, it's made yeah. like we want it to it's get out. So. Once you've made it, you invested all that money in actually making yeah. it, especially like an action film like black widow, which is yeah. what, like, probably $200 million. Um, you don't want to sit on that till 2023 and hope to make money, you know, right. and that, that actress might not even be as relevant as she is today. Right. You know? So, so there's things like that, but like, if this were 20, 2018, 2019, I'd be like, eh, if it's on VOD, it's probably not that great, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, because that means that it didn't test well. But um, no, I think the industry is definitely adapting. And like Kevin is a great example because Kevin, like he turned 40 on set and he just kept saying like, I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. And like, he's filmed a, con- he released a documentary or two documentaries and a comedy special from his basement. Yeah. He- doing all he's like he's creating all these shows he filmed a movie in toronto like he's doing all these different things um so on the celebrity level you see that but even like on the micro level of like the non-celebrity me um you know like our industry adapted really quickly so within two weeks of quebec shutting down um last march um the video game industry and the advertisers went to the government for special permission to start working again Mm. so within like a week and a half video games were were continued producing yeah. um, voice work. They were doing motion capture um, radio ads were working. Like I was doing it. I have a studio in my closet. I've been in radio yeah. all year um, and in-person commercials. And then even, and then like not long after that, they reopened it to in-person filming okay. and it, it was a slow, a slow progress, but like yeah. by September, everything People was, were working. Yeah. We're, we're filming again. And like there's specific and very strict requirements and like, imposed by the Quebec government made specifically for our industry and there hasn't been any major outbreaks yet. So that's allowed us to keep going even when Montreal is under curfew and, you know, and there's all these different, like all these different restrictions, we're still going. Yeah. That's an amazing thing because what it's done for Montreal is that in the States, especially like LA where it's lockdown nonstop, it's really unpredictable and overseas in Europe, we're getting a lot of foreign productions that are planning to come to Montreal to shoot. Because we've done such a good job at, yeah. Because we're doing such a good, we also have like the best green screen technicians, things like that. But the Quebec film commissioner predicted that this is going to be the most profitable year for the TV and film industry since 2002. And 2002 is when Montreal was Hollywood North. That's when we were more in Montreal than in New York and LA combined. Wow. So, like I think they're estimating four hundred million dollars for the TV and film industry in Quebec this year, oh. two hundred and ninety-two. So, um, and like I've been on a few sets um, this year, uh, I felt very safe. Like, yeah, very safe. They're very careful. I did a shoot last weekend where I had to actually touch another character. So, like, what they would do is that you have a certain amount of time that you're able to be close to each other. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and you're in full PPE, you're in a mask, you have goggles on. There's people who are like, they're designated for COVID. So in between takes, that person comes to me, they give me my sanitized mask, they give me the yeah. goggles, they purell me, and then they make a stand apart. And then when we're ready to shoot, we come close, somebody times it. We give it to somebody, purell, and then we do it. And then they're like, okay, you've been together too close, too close for too long, move apart. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, and some productions require testing, things like that. So it's like, I've, I've done a bunch of shoots and I'm just like, for the most part, like it's they they're very, very careful because you don't want to be the production to shut down the industry. 
Exactly. I feel like that is the most important message at the end of the day. And it's great that everyone's doing yeah. You don't want to be the reason that like we can't get the next huge action film that's coming to that's coming to Montreal. And yeah. the, there's a huge action film coming to Montreal later this year. That's um, I mean, I and, like, they don't want to be the reason that they can't come. Then the month, the city loses $200 million. Yeah. After, you know, we shut down and also it's, very expensive so it's like if you have an outbreak a lot of these companies weren't able to get insurance for covid mm. they have insurance for other things but not for covid or if they do it's really expensive yes yeah like, which is cutting into the budget overall and yeah. when, I mean, like even just the covid protocols with like testing and stuff like that they're already going over budget yeah. you know so it, it becomes really expensive and that even for like a decent sized production company one outbreak can shut down your company for good because it's that that financially straining. So we're very lucky. Tanisha, this conversation has been one of the most enlightening and amazing conversations. And I feel like I say that with so many people, but I genuinely always feel I've learned so much when I have these conversations with people. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This was great. I learned about making movies. I learned about like motivation stuff. I learned about the like... (laughs) process of growth uh, it's how how like dealing with experiences being humble but being positive and so many things were discussed <laughs> in this n- 90 minutes and i thank you so much because it was great i enjoyed all of it i hope thank you enjoyed you. it i had so much fun thank you i feel like there's so much that we haven't talked about that like okay. we need a part two oh, um, but like thank worry. you you're I, gonna get hit up for part two i am i'm ready I'm yeah ready. this was so but much thank you we're gonna be doing dungeons and dragons in some way in like six months from now because yeah. i'm definitely going to work at this live stream dragons, and dragons we didn't talk about future man like i know i know oh my god so like definitely yeah, okay it's gonna be like look like i can talk forever so this will just be like a so, yeah. just, like, tanisha tanisha brian combo like <laughs> i'm down you know i'm down i'm down 100 thank you so much again uh is there a, can you can you tell people your socials and stuff i want people to be able to follow you find you connect with you and yeah. get inspired by you yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at Tanisha C. Um, that's where the bulk of it goes. If you're really interested in the weird stuff that happens in my brain, my Twitter is also at Tanisha C, and it's a data dump for my brain. So anything <laughs> that I don't feel is appropriate to share with like people that I know, I just put on Twitter. Um, <laughs> those are the big channels. I also have a website, TanishaCollins.com. Awesome. And, uh, now that you've seen my face, you'll be like, that's the girl from that thing. And you'll see me at a bunch of stuff. <laughs> awesome. I look forward to all of it. Uh, once again, people, Father is going to be on Netflix coming in June. June 18th. June 18th. And uh, you can see Tanisha on so many other wonderful things. Go hit up her IMDb. Check everything out. Make a list. Make a watch list. And then your <laughs> next long weekend, just go through and watch and support uh, local artists. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Take care. Bye. That's another edition of Not a Journalist with Brian Holiday. You guys can find more episodes on brianholiday.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-H-O-L-I-D-A-E. Also, follow me on all social media platforms at Brian Holiday. If you guys want to support me, make sure to check out my coffee page. That's ko-fi.com slash Brian Holiday. And if you have something to say, you can leave a message at anchor.fm slash not dash a dash journalist slash message and i'll add it to the next episode thanks for tuning in everyone <laughs>